The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us. And by the way, uh, you know, we're going to be talking a little bit about Islam today. I want people to know, I say all that stuff kind of tongue-in-cheek. I, I it, The reason I do that is because we get a lot of people want to label themselves a certain way and, you know, throw out their ideology or their theology or whatever. So that, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek, okay? It's not a shot at anybody. It's just it's tongue-in-cheek. Uh, so just just so people know, okay, <laughs> if you'd like to check us out online, please do so, sonsoflibertyradio.com and also sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of the radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com, and there you're going to see two uh, videos at the top of the page. One on the left side is Bradley's show from yesterday, so if you missed that and you'd like to catch it, you can do so up until 3 o'clock this uh, Eastern this afternoon, at which time he'll be live in that little area. And then on the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you got. Look for the rumble icon in the bottom right-hand corner. If you click on that, you can join us in the chat. A lot of friends over here this morning. Good morning. Good to see you guys. Um, and while you're over there, please subscribe to the channel. Uh, the channel is Sons of Liberty Radio Live on Rumble. Sons of Liberty Radio Live. All one word. Um, on Rumble. And then we're also live on BeforeIt'sNews.com right now, top of the page there. Appreciate Michael Roach and his team giving us a spot on their platform as well. Back to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, right up under where we're streaming live. There's a place where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Uh, you, you guys know our heavy censorship, even in the email department, but uh, sign up for it. It goes out late afternoon, early evening, every day. All the articles we have, including the morning show archives, so be sure and uh, sign up for that. Finally, our store is available. The link is at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com, or you can go there directly at thesonsofliberty.squarespace.com. thesonsofliberty.squarespace.com. Again, we're promoting Bradley's book, uh, Soldier of the Cross. Uh, we've got a bundle out, $34, the book. Shirt of your size, dog tag of your color. $34 if you're double X or larger. It's about $5 more. Same thing happens with the shirt. They start at $20. The book is $10. We also have all the profits reporting to the front in the store for $10. 
And then finally, if you go all the way to the bottom, you'll see the dog tags. Those are $8 each. I don't know why I hit that thing, but anyway, they're $8 each. Okay, so you guys will, you guys will have those things there. All right, so, you know, we, we took time and we talked. Oh, how many shows have we done? We've done one with Lynn, and I did two or three on this, this whole Israel thing. And my intention was to bring us in line with what the Word of God presents, because this is part of the this is part of the issue that I see going on in the church. I've seen it for many years, um, especially once I came out from a certain theology. And I, by the way, just so people understand, I don't use certain labels. I've used them on occasion, okay, but I don't use certain. Um, labels, or um, I'm trying to think of the word that I want to use, Re- words that define certain denominations. Okay, let me put it that way. I don't mind using those if other people know what I'm talking about and they understand it. If they misrepresent it, then I don't use it, and I don't want to use it. So I take people to the Scripture, and I go down through the context to say, this is why I come to this conclusion. Uh, I can remember years ago, I uh, my, my my father would let me preach on Sunday nights at his at his church, <clears throat> and I remember then having come through understanding what is referred to as the doctrines of grace. It's referred to it by another name, but I'm not going to say it because it'll trigger people and they'll go, "Oh." But they're called the doctrines of grace. It's it's about God's sovereignty in saving us. That our salvation does not come from anything that we do, say, want, desire, any of it. It doesn't come from that. It comes from the God who made us and who calls us out of the grave, Ephesians 2. He quickens us. He makes us alive. Um, it comes from Him. And so I remember teaching on Romans 9, two weeks in a row. Uh, very straightforward, God's sovereignty in electing and saving a people and a son, Jesus Christ. And uh, to me, it's one of the most glorious things because it's what I experienced. I didn't go looking for God. He came looking for me. Just like when you read in Genesis chapter 3, the Lord's walking through the garden and the cool of the day. He's wanting to have his fellowship with with, uh, Adam and with Eve. And what does he find? They went and hid. And is it Adam running to him? No, Adam's hiding. God has to go to him. He has to save him. He has to reach down and 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 slaughter an animal so that he can clothe them as a picture of the righteousness he provides that's outside any law. And I find that glorious. Some people take offense to that, and the reason they take offense of it is because they want to be in control of it. They want to be in control of those kinds of things. And yet... The Bible says over and over, I mean, it teaches us it's where the Spirit goes. And how does He move? He works in the power of the Word of God. And boy, I tell you, this eye-opening thing from Dr. Leonard Horowitz, some of the stuff we talked about with Kate, all of a sudden makes a lot more sense. Why, uh, one of the passages I'll quote today, why the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. It's the power of God. It's the power of God. It's in His 
word. And when I say that, I'm getting a bigger understanding than probably I ever had before. In fact, I'm, I think of when John writes the book of Revelation and he hears the voice of Christ and he turns back to the voice. And what does it say? Do you guys, you guys have been tuning in on Saturdays with Kate. You, you've heard about the water and God moving on the waters and this and that. What does it say? It says he heard his voice as the sound of many waters. There's some things that are going on that we can't see, and I am just, I, I'm not fascinated by the things that are, that are going, I'm fascinated by the one who made all that, who uses those words that he speaks to cause things to come into existence that weren't in existence, to shut the door that no man can open, to open the door that no man can shut, that can speak the word and you're made whole. They can speak the word and you go from death to life, light or darkness to light. Yeah, I'm unashamed of that gospel. It's good news for the sinner, the sinner that mourns over his sin, that wants to be free from his sin, that doesn't want not just the consequences, he doesn't want to do the sin. He wants to, he desperately wants to leave it. And the only reason that you have a desire for that is the Spirit of God. Because the natural man does not do that. So you say, why are you telling us all this stuff, Tim? Well, I'm going to bring on. I'm going to bring on a guy here. I'm not bringing him on the show. <laughs> We're trying to get in touch with him, but I'm going to play you a testimony of a former Iranian. He was a part of Hezbollah. He was one of the members there, a soldier there in Hezbollah, and. Uh, you know, Bill and I, the truck driver theologian, we were talking yesterday. He mentioned this guy's name. He says, have you ever heard of him? And I said, no. And, and uh, so I said, well, I'll, you know, I'll see what, what happens here uh, as far as what we can do. But I reached out to his website and what I, and I don't know what happened. I had this up. There it is. Okay. So the guy's name I hope I won't ruin it in telling you. Maybe some of you have heard of this guy. Maybe you have not. I've got three videos up here because I'm going to put all of them up, but I'm only going to play two. His name is Afshin Javid. A-F-S-H-I-N-J-A-V-I-D. If you've never heard of him, if you've not heard his testimony, I, I want to tell you something. I I've said it over and over. I hate the ideology of Judaism because it rejects the Christ. I hate the ideology of Islam because it rejects the Christ. That is completely different than dealing with the people of either of those religions. We are to love them. We are to give them the gospel. We are to call them to repentance. Why? Because the Bible tells us that Christ is saving people out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. That includes Muslim nations, by the way. Yep. He's going on the devil's turf there, and he's... And he's Taking back, you know, those who are held captive by the devil, he's releasing them. How does he do that? Through the power of the gospel. And sadly, too many people don't even have the true gospel. They don't have a gospel that saves, it calls men away from their sin, tells them to stop sinning, turn to Christ, put their faith in him. They don't have that. That's not their, no, their gospel is... Jesus loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life. You know, everything will be, you know, unicorns and skittles and road, roses and golden roads and all this kind of stuff if you follow Jesus. 
I, I think Jesus promises sort of the opposite of that. Um, the, the Apostle Paul says, through much tribulations, we enter into the kingdom of God. There's also the issue of what we're dealing with as far as we're probably going to face some persecution from people. We're going to probably face some division. Why? Because truth does that. And so when I saw this guy's testimony, I was just like, I was kind of blown away because I'm back. It's not like the testimonies that you hear often. However, if you step back and you listen to what's said, you'll see God at work in it to bring him to the true gospel. Because he's very clear that even though he saw, he hears from Jesus, as he says, in a dream, there is the means God sends him by way of the gospel that saves him. And he makes distinction of those things. And he's not the only one. I've seen tons of stories where Muslims in the Middle East are, are, are being visited by Angels, you can call them demons if you want, but the message and the results they produce are the opposite of demonic possession. They're the fruit of the Spirit. And they bring people in. Somebody comes in their way who shares the gospel with them. They come in contact with the scriptures that gives the gospel. And I got to tell you, I'm I'm just blown away. And I, some friends of mine, years ago, we were talking, and we said, Yo, how is how's the Lord going to do this thing in the Muslim nations to bring them to him. Because I'm going to tell you something. They're zealous for their God. They're zealous for their law. They're zealous for all these things. And you can see it. Every country that they go into, they build up a certain number. And I forget the numbers. I had them years ago. Uh, But in this country, in the United States, they're already starting to push because they've been emboldened at smaller numbers than they normally would. Just so you know. And if you're a Christian out there and you're keeping your mouth shut or all you're doing is cursing the darkness towards them and you're not sharing with them the good news of Christ, you're doing so not only, I mean, you're going to answer for that, but you're doing so to your own destruction. You want to stop what's going, you start spreading the gospel. Calling men to repentance, putting the Christ up before them. You got to get ahead of it. You got to get ahead of it. Take those opportunities that you have. Track people. Look, some of you might think, well, all you guys do is, you know, you talk about this. And Have you not seen some of our newsletters that we send out? We're, we're tracking Muslim people. We're trapping, tracking Jewish people. We're tracking people who call themselves Christians. We're, calling, we're tracking anybody. Why? We don't know who God's elect are, so we give the gospel to everybody and trust the Lord with the results. And that's what we do. Why? Because we love people. We're called to love people. And uh, so with that said, here's what I'm going to do. There's there's two short videos. Uh, well, this one's a little long. This one's about 20 minutes. This is um, the gentleman I mentioned to you, former Iranian Hezbollah member. He shares a, of his testimony. And then what I want to do is I want to go back about three weeks ago. He was He's a little older uh, than this video is now. This was done, uh, it was posted in 2011. So uh, the next video I show you, you guys are going to see the difference. You guys on the radio, you may notice a difference in his voice or something like that. But he's going to give some of his testimony here. And I just thought it was a it was a great encouragement with all of the stuff that we see going on uh, that in the midst of this, there can be hope. And what is the hope? The hope is 
in our Lord Jesus Christ and his everlasting gospel. So check this out. I think you'll be encouraged by it. Um, This gentleman and his conversion to Christ uh, as he came out of Hezbollah. I was born in the southern part of Iran, a city called Abadan, born in a Muslim family, Shiite Muslim family. My grandfather was a Muslim leader, and he had 19 children, and uh, out of 19 children, he had 84 grandchildren. And obviously, he had to choose one to carry the spiritual uh, pattern of the life and the teachings for, for, for the next generation. He asked, uh, he, the, he had, uh, obviously there had been some things that, uh, some, some things had happened, some accidents that I should have been killed, but uh, every single time before uh, a danger was coming toward me, I saw the silhouette of a person that, that always was there, and I spoke of it openly to others. And my grandfather took that sign, obviously, that uh, there is the, the spiritual leaders of Islam are, are uh, looking over this, this boy and uh, protecting him. So he gave me very close attentions and he taught me all the things I knew about Islam. Uh, I joined the uh, Hezbollah. Uh, I, I was in that army for about three years. Uh, I was studying Quran extensively then. My grandfather actually I saw this seed in my heart that I should uh, share Islam with the poor misled Christians, you know, uh, that uh, have gone astray. And obviously remind and be a spiritual leader to our family outside Iran. I traveled to Malaysia where I was caught with 30 illegal passports, put in prison. And so I started teaching Islam in, in the jail and uh, telling everybody uh, what they must do, what are their duties toward Allah. And so uh, I did this uh, routine uh, every day. I prayed obviously five times a day. Uh, Shiites do pray three times and they include the 17 rak'at in, in the uh, three times. but. Uh, what I did when it, because I wanted to spend more time with, with God, I did it at five separate times, and then in the end of the evening, I would uh, pray extra prayers. I would have the habit of uh, reading through the Quran cover to cover uh, once every ten days, and I had gained the spiritual powers out of Islam. In Quran, they have the ajanna and the the spiritual beings, and so. Uh, speaking to them is not forbidden. In fact, there are stories of talking to them uh, that uh, Prophet Muhammad did. So I had been able to connect to that spiritual realm and uh, been able to acquire powers out of that. And so I was able to pray for people, especially when people, uh, someone hurt them or someone did something to them, they would come to me and they would ask me to set a prayer and immediately that person would get sick, have an accident, this kind of things, you know. I was able to close my eyes, uh, tell you what a person is doing in another room. And so this had made me more power hungry and I wanted to gain more power. So I would spend and meditate more in the Quran. And so as I was doing that one night, 
I, I just uh, was meditating in the verses. And there are ver uh, the, there are words in the Quran that are repeated continually, uh, repeatedly, but uh, they have no meanings. They are the secrets of Quran. And so when I was meditating on this, a spirit entered the room, and uh, it was much more powerful than I could handle. Or I could I could overcome, and so I was filled with fear. And so I tried uh, using all the tools Islam had given me. In the name of Allah, I command you to leave, you know. Uh, Satan, I rebuke you, kind of things. And I uh, used all those and nothing uh, was, was helping. At that moment, I, I was totally desperate. And I felt like it is choking me, choking the life out of me. And I felt like I'm dying in that cell. And I just cried out to, uh, to the heavens and I said, God in Farsi, Khuda, help me. And immediately I heard a voice, just as clear as you hear my voice today, saying, bring the name of Jesus. And I, at that moment, I really seriously did not give it one second of thought. I just was, I feel like um, going back, I was drowning. A man that is drowning, you throw a rope, they would never question you about the color of the rope. And just grab on. And so I did. I said, Jesus, if you are truth, show me yourself. And to this day, I have no idea of this going back, I'm thinking, why did you word it that way? Why didn't you just say, Jesus, help me? I don't know why, but that's the way it came out. And before I was finished with the sentence, everything was back to normal. Now, that was not my conversion. That was the beginning of my confusion. Why would Jesus help a Muslim? Now, I had done everything in my power to be a good Muslim. I had already uh, tried to go and uh, commit myself to, uh, in the way of Allah and be a martyr for him, you know, walking on the mines. And so the government of Iran is, is used to issue the, the people that are uh, fadai or the ones that are willing to, to give themselves, to sacrifice themselves, a special Quran that had the stamp of the government. That, uh, I had participated in the executions by hanging, you know, I had done everything that I thought I must do uh, against the infidels and anything and everything I must do to share Allah with others. Uh, so I, I, I knew that something is wrong and that was not because I doubted Allah or doubted Islam or anything. I fully believed and I didn't know what that is and it just confused me and so I tried to just forget about it, you know. But that question, why would Jesus help a Muslim? Why would Jesus help a Muslim? That would just keep coming at me. I believe in Muhammad, the last prophet, I would think, the, in the perfect religion. Why would Jesus come to help me? And so uh, that uh, two weeks period, I just got really confused and I said, okay, I'm going to pray and fast and ask God himself to show me the path. Obviously, I thought at that moment, and there are verses and, and things taught in the Quran that says, uh, the ways of Allah are many and no matter what part and what part of the mountain you climb you always come to the same uh, mountain top and I thought 
maybe that is what, what God is, you know, and then, no, maybe it is different for God. Maybe God has a specific way for me, and He wants me to follow that specific way. So I thought, I will never find out unless I ask this question. So I did. I prayed and fasted, and from the bottom of my heart, with all my strength, I asked, God, what is it that you want me to do? What way is it that you want me to follow? And so for two weeks, I sat in one place and I prayed as many hours as I was awake and I fasted as many as hours as I, I was awake and I would just fall asleep literally on that place. I would wake up and I would just pray again and again asking God, what is the way you want me? After two weeks to no avail, I had no answer. And I really got frustrated. I just thought, forget it, you know, what is this? I have no chance of finding out what he wants. I don't even know if God exists. And I have wasted all my life. Uh, I have been afraid all my life, you know, trying to do everything that would please Allah. And now he confuses me. If Allah is all great and he sees the heart, he knew in my heart I love him. And what matters if I call him whatever name I call him, he knows in my heart I love him. And if it does matter to him, I ask him for two weeks, I sat, prayed, and nothing happens. So, you know what, I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to go walk my own path. I'm going to do what pleases me. Obviously, at that very moment, I felt the power of God filled the room. Now, in Islam, the greatest sin you can commit and you can never be forgiven for that is doubting God himself, doubting his teachings, doubting his prophet. And I had done that. And in Islam, they teach you that Allah never visits, God never visits human beings. I feel and I know against Islam I have committed the greatest sin that can never be forgiven. God's presence is in the room and I'm confronted immediately with His Holiness. All this is happening simultaneously. And I'm uh, confronted with His Holiness, which puts this weight of sin upon me. And I know, I know that because He is just, He must kill me. He must wipe me off the face of the earth because I'm so full of sin. Mm. And I cried because I literally didn't want to die. Praise the Lord. But uh, I knew there is no chance. He was so holy and I was so wicked. So I just ran to the corner of the room and I held my head in my arms and I just cried out, God forgive me, God forgive me, God forgive me, God forgive me. And I just said, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And as I was crying and just saying, forgive me, I felt the touch on my shoulder saying, I forgive you. And the very instant those words were spoken, I physically felt forgiven. And I couldn't understand it. I said, wait a minute, we say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim in the name of God who is merciful and gracious. But we don't know if you are forgiven till the day of judgment. That is why there is not one single verse in the Quran that says Muhammad is in the heaven. He must wait like all people for the, the, the day of Qiyamah, the day of resurrection, and all shall be judged on that day. So, 
How is it that who is this God that says I forgive you and I feel forgiven today? And I asked, I said, who are you? They can forgive me and I feel forgiven today. And says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The moment I heard those words, I knew it's of a great importance, but I had absolutely no idea what that meant. I still had no clue who this God is. So I asked him, what is your name? Jesus Christ, the living God, he answered. And the moment he spoke those words, it was as if every single bone was taken out of my body and I just fell on my face to the ground and I started weeping in the presence of God. I just wept. I still can't eat this. 18 years have gone by, but I still can't forget his love, his mercy. All the Somebody say amen. What is for me that day? And she just forgive you. I felt forgiven. I fell on my face. I just wept because for many years I had tried to please God. But that wasn't nothing I had done was pleasing to God. Nothing I had done. It wasn't even the bright God that I had known. I felt so deceived because they told me this is God and He wasn't God. They told me, what to do if He sent me the law killing the way of Allah? And then this God says, love in the way of me, forgive in the way of me. But it was everything my heart existed for and said, yes, this is the truth of God. God is about forgiveness. God is about love. So I wept for two hours and I just stood at his feet and he just said, I should look up and the moment I looked up, I saw this. It was like a TV screen of some sort. I, I just saw people from all different generations and all different na nationalities and backgrounds. And every single person I saw, I could see every single wrong thing they have done. And that overwhelmed me. I just cried, said, God, I live among all these peoples. All of them are sinners. And he says, Afshin, how easy did I forgive you? And I said, very easy. In Farsi, we say, as easy as drinking water. And then, just moments after that, I said, no, 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 even easier than drinking water. He says, as easy as I have forgiven you, I can forgive them. Who is going to tell them? I said, send me one. He says, go. That's how I became a Christian. 
So I prayed, God, send me a Bible. Uh, in jail, somebody from some other section just walked up to me and gave me a book and says, this is what you asked for. And uh, he was in East Indian background and I spoke Urdu and Hindi uh, completely. So, uh, so when he gave it to me, I knew it is the Bible. I forgot to thank you, God. I said, God, I prayed last night and you gave it to me this morning. It is so wonderful. You answer, you are the mighty God that he's just spoken of and you provide so quickly. That is the living word of God. I tell you this, I share my testimony so people hear about this almighty God. I don't expect anybody to become a Christian because of my testimony. My testimony is only good for me. I want people to understand this. This is the story of Almighty God that is all able and that is searching for all seeking hearts, that loves all humanity with all his strength and power. If someone hears my testimony today, I really like them to just say, okay, God of heaven, the creator of everything, if this is true, I want that. And I assure you, I can guarantee you that mighty God that came and touched and changed my life and, and totally forgive everything I have done. And he made me sure that I can be in heaven with him. He can assure them of the same assurance and he can let them taste of the same forgiveness and same love. And that is who Jesus Christ is. May glory be to Him, today and forevermore. Amen. Yep. Glory to the one who did it, right? I don't know about you guys, I'm sitting here, I'm a mess. That guy right there, he's a pastor in the United States now. I wanted to say he was up in Michigan. I, I could be wrong. Maybe I got Michigan in my head and that's what came out. But Oh, Tim, you know, you got, you got, I, I hear the, the, the theology that comes out of some in my circles. Wait, they got to, they got to hear the word of God. Well, he did. He eventually did that. By the way, that Bible that he got, I mean, he elaborates on it. I'll, I'll post another video of his testimony. It's only about nine minutes. It was it was done as an interview. It was edited well. I, and I apologize for the music. I, I don't know why they put the music in there. But he talks about getting an English Bible, and he doesn't speak English. And so he prays to God, and <laughs> he starts reading the Scriptures out of English. A language he does not know, but he preaches in now. Let me tell you something. There's nobody out there. And I don't never know who's listening. I, I don't know what people go through. I don't know what their mental state is. I don't know what their spiritual state is. But I can tell you this. If you're listening to me and you're at the end of your rope and you think there's nothing you can do, the only way out is a bullet or a bottle of pills or, or a bottle or whatever the case is. Let me tell you something. If you are willing to give up everything... Christ will meet you there. That's what he calls people to. Denying yourself. 
Take up your cross. Follow him. What do you tell the rich young ruler? Sell all you got. Give it to the poor and come follow me. What do you tell the lady caught in adultery? Go and sin no more. Leave all your sin behind. Quit sinning. If you're willing to meet him on his terms, he's willing to meet you. And if you're at rock bottom, that's that's the kind of people he does save. That's the very people he does save. Oh, he saves some people at the top too. Paul and his arrogance going around trying to destroy people who are following the way. And what did God do? He stopped him dead in his tracks and he says, why are you persecuting me? What's wrong with you, boy? And Paul didn't know he was persecuting the Lord. He thought he was, he thought he was doing what God said to do. And oh my goodness, I'm listening to this guy, his testimony. His confusion becomes, confusion becomes this blessing. I know all about that. I know all about sitting on weekend nights when I could have been out partying and doing the things I was doing, sitting at home reading the scriptures and not getting a thing out of it. I couldn't tell you what I read or what it said or even if it was a narrative, if it was a story, historical story. I, I couldn't tell you what I read, but I read it. And I believe God was driving me to put the word in me that my mom and dad had put in me when I was a kid. Listen, just a highlight, Lord willing, if, if I am able to go to Michigan, one of the things I'm going to talk on is us men. Just prepare yourself and know that I'm preaching right here first. I'm preaching to me first. These are things that are on my mind. They're things that are in my heart. And if you're convicted by it, then that's the Spirit of God, not me. Because, again, I'm more preaching to me before the face of God than I am other people. But this guy now, he's a, he's a pastor. He's got the truth of the gospel in his heart, and it comes out of his mouth. You can hear it. I mean, doesn't it sound just like the story of the publican and the Pharisee that Jesus talked about? I've run into a corner, and I'm weeping Crying out for forgiveness. Isn't that exactly what the publican did? And what did Jesus said? That guy went to his house rejoicing because he'd been justified. He'd been justified. How many of you out there know that experience? You know the experience of you, 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 can't, you can't really explain it. It's like a light comes on in your head and you realize how sinful you really are and you realize how holy God is. And you're broken. Let me let me take you to, excuse me, um, Romans chapter three, and we're gonna, I'm going to play this last little video of him in just a second. But this is Romans chapter three. Again, you know we're dealing with this whole Israel issue of Israel Jews, you know all this stuff. Paul writes on that too. What advantage then hath the Jew? By the way, Jew is, again, I, I have to stress this. It is not all the Jews, all the countrymen, the Israelites that Paul talks about, they're not all from Abraham's loins. And that's demonstrably proven by people like Caleb, people like Ruth, people like Rahab, other people, Uriah, who came into Israel. They became Israelites as those who had been taken out of the Gentile world and they now the, the the idea of Jew was tied to their their theology, their their worship, the point of their worship and who they were worshiping. That's what Jew really is tied to. 
That's what it's supposed to be tied to. He said, well, what profit is there of circumcision? Much in every way. Chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. Okay? So the people of Israel, in the Old Testament Israel, the oracles of God, the word of God, the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament was committed unto them. For what if some did not believe? It See, it wasn't given to the Gentile world, it was given to the Israelites. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? No, God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, including this guy. As it is written that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our righteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? And he says, I speak as a man. God forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? Now, if you don't understand what he's saying, he's saying, well, if I go and lie and God's glorified by whatever happens as a result of that lie that's good, you know, why is he judging me? Isn't he using me for something good? See, this is a this is a problem for many in the political arena where they talk about, oh, well, well our guy is the good guy. And he says God. And he talks about Christmas, which isn't in the Bible, by the way. Um, and he says all these other things, right, that, that sound good. Or he takes a photo op with his Bible in his hand or whatever the case may be. Why is God judging him? Why is the Sons of Liberty making particular judgments and it's not final judgments. We, we don't have that authority. But we take moral judgments, and we use discernment, and we use the Scriptures to see not only where we stand, but we, we do it when we look around at those who represent us. Same thing happens there. So Paul goes on, and he says, Not rather, as we be slanderously reported, as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have proven, we've foreproven both Jews and Gentiles that are all, that they are all under sin. See, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, whether you've been circumcised or not of the flesh. It doesn't matter. You're all under sin. We're all under it. Why? Because the law condemns us. And the law is that, that condemnation that you just heard this gentleman, this brother from another mother, right? That you heard him give. The testimony he gave was what? I was a sinner. I was a wicked sinner, and God really had mercy on me. That's the testimony we had. And how did he have mercy on him? Through Allah, through Muhammad, through Buddha, through, you know, Hare Krishna, Zoroastria. I mean, did he have mercy on him? No, he had mercy on him through his son, the Lord Jesus. I want to jump down just a little bit. Romans chapter 3, listen to what he says. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed innocent blood. Oh, by the way, let's just go back up here first. For that confusion issue that he had, he says, verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Now, he probably didn't quite catch all this at the time he's given his testimony. There's nobody that seeks after God unless God's drawing them. If you read John uh, chapter 6, when Jesus talks about the Father drawing the people to him, and they can't come to him unless the Father draws them, and if they do come to him, which they will because the Father's drawing them, then he will in no wise cast them out, but will raise them up at the last day. 
that drawing is this imagery that we see later on when the disciples get so many fish in their boat because they obey Jesus that they're having to drag the nets onto the shoreline. I believe that's John 21. They're having to drag the nets. It's the same word that's used there. Let me ask a question. Have you been drawn by the Father? I know what that's like. You don't come kicking and screaming. He changes your will. He changes your want to, he, your, your thingamajig, your heart. <laughs> he changes it to want to come to him. People say, oh, well, God's, you know, you use that term dragon, so it's against our will. No, he changes your will and he put in, in the same manner. Listen, if Jesus had not said Lazarus, had not called him by name and said, come forth, the whole cemetery would have come forth. And one day he looked down and he said, Tim Brown, come forth. And what does Jesus say about Lazarus after that? He says, loose him, let him go. He still had his grave clothes on. Loose him and let him go. Isn't that what God does? Does he not free us from sin? Does he not loose us from its grip, from its power, from its consequence? Yeah, he, he really does. He really does. Back to Romans 3. The throat is an open sepulcher, their tongues they have used deceit. Um, the poison of asthma under the lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed innocent blood, destruction and misery are in their ways, and the peace and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And now we know that what things whatsoever the law saith, it saith to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. That's everybody listening to me. The, the, the point of the preaching of the law is to shut your mouth so that you will hear the gospel of grace. This is why, you know, if you listen to Bradley, one of the things he talks about is he talks about 90% law, 10% grace. Yes, the law drives men to Christ. And with their, at the end of themselves, like this gentleman that you just heard, and they're crying out for mercy, God is there with mercy. In the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what goes on here. I'm, I hope I'm not going to be over a little bit, but I, I wanted to hit that part right there in the Scripture because the point of the law, some people have a real problem with law. If you don't use the law, you can never point people to the gospel. You just can't do it because it makes no sense. Why do I need a Savior from sin if you're not going to tell me that I'm violating the law, which sin is transgression of law? You have to tell them about the law. You have to tell them how they violate it. You have to show them. And it reverberates with them. They know it. They just have suppressed that truth and unrighteousness. Okay? All right, so I want to play this short one. This, was, um, this is another interview from this guy. Uh, it was just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, this was on CNB, or CBN News. And he had a couple of things to say because I think he was over actually in Israel uh, with his team, ministering some people there. So um, I want to uh, play this this little interview. It's about nine minutes long. You'll probably hear some things that kind of go over some of the things you just heard. But this is him. He's several years older now. And um, so, but in, be encouraged by this. And we'll probably have to break here just to cut off on the radio. You guys on the radio, if you want to, jump over to sonsoflibertymedia.com. Uh, we'll be finishing it up there on the top. Rumble, Sons of Liberty Radio Live, or before it's news.com, top of the page. Here's this interview with um, 
gosh, I keep forgetting the guy's name. I, I, I'm trying to. <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, Afshin Javid. Afshin Javid. Okay. This is uh, the interview here he had just a few weeks back with uh, CBN. Check this out. An Iranian ex-Hezbollah shows up in Israel. Everyone wants to know why I'm here. You were born in Iran. Correct. You were a Hezbollah fighter for three years. Correct. I was on my way to United States to convert Christians into Islam. And um, I had 30 illegal passports at that time. I was arrested, uh, put in jail in Malaysia. I was a dedicated Muslim. Not only prayed the prayers, but I read the Quran once every 10 days, cover to cover. So I was very dedicated. In my time in jail, uh, one day as I'm praying, a man appears in front of me, normal size, but his being shines like light. And this light was not a normal light. This light carried identity in it. You knew that he's holy and he's just. And instantaneous, I knew I am not. Even though I had prayed so many prayers, even though I had fasted so much and I had read the Quran and I had volunteered to walk on landmines or I had participated in hanging people trying to please Allah. I knew, even though I have kept all the rules and regulation of Islam, I knew I'm not just and I'm not holy. And I knew the only just thing for him to do is to kill me. But I didn't want to die. So I ran to the corner of the room, literally held my head in my arms and just cried out shouting, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And I didn't think he will forgive me because he is just. Till I felt a touch on my left shoulder. And he said, I forgive you. And I felt a weight just lifted off me. And I, I, I knew I'm forgiven, but I don't know how. And I was confused. I was like, okay, I don't understand. Only God can forgive you. Just forgive me. You are God. But you are a different God than the one I have studied about. This is not Allah. So who are you that forgives me and I feel forgiven today? And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I thought, that's very powerful. It means a lot because as a Muslim, you pray, show me the straight path kind of thing. And so the way is a direction. Truth is something you measure. Life is a source. But he claims to be all those three. I never thought the way is a person. The truth is a person, and life is a person, and all of them is the same person. So I said, I don't understand. What is your name? And I said, Jesus Christ. And someone grabbed all my bones out of my body. I just fell like a piece of meat to the ground, and I just began to weep. What changed after that? It's like, you know, being colorblind. And then suddenly you see colors again. 
and you realize the world is so much more beautiful than you ever thought. If you ask me what made the world so colorless, it's the hatred, the anger that is in the heart of every Muslim. I mean, I, people say, why did you hate the Jews? I had never met a Jew. But I thought Hitler was a good man for doing what he did. He just didn't finish the job. I don't know why I hated them. No Jew had ever done anything bad to me. God didn't design us to hate. Didn't design us to want to see someone dead. He did not design us for these things. These are design of Satan. How do you think killing the people that God gave them this land to is going to please Allah? The God of heaven, the God of Abraham and Moses, the God of their prophets like Jesus is not a God that celebrates when Jews are killed. In early October, Afshin was visiting Israel with his ministry, which promotes friendship between Persians and Jews. But like millions of others, he found himself in the middle of a war when Hamas launched a bloody attack. When Afshin visited the CBN News Bureau, he met another guest, Sasha Ariev, whose teenage sister had been kidnapped by Hamas. He and his wife wept as they watched her story. There is absolutely no justification, no explanation that can make any of these okay. Nobody should celebrate when one of the sons of Father Abraham is killing another. And I just want to say, I'm sorry that your family is going through this. Off camera, Afshin and his wife prayed for Sasha and invited her to visit them for dinner. Her reply, I'd be happy to come and bring my sister with me. We are standing with, uh, with, with uh, all the Jewish people, with the people of Israel, and we are, we are mourning their sorrow of their family members that have been lost, but also for the right of Israel to exist. Okay, all right, I'm going to pause it right there just so we can cut off. And, and I'm, I made a mistake. Gene, you're asking a question. I'll try to address that after we clear off. If you guys want to catch this, sonsoflibertymedia.com, top of the page. Before it's news.com, top of the page. And also our Rumble channel, Sons of Liberty Radio Live, is where you can pick that up. Um, he was a, he's a pastor in Canada. I don't know why I thought USA. I was thinking Detroit or something. I don't know what was going on there. Forgive me. So thank you for reminding me of that. Canada. That's where this guy is. He's a pastor up there. And uh, there's some question about that. So I'll try to address that after this. Guys, catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Lord willing, we'll be back with you in the morning. We're going to talk supplements and how Big Pharma's in it. All right. I want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. Let me play these last three minutes of what uh, of this interview here, and then we'll we'll close out the show. Okay, check it out. At the end of our interview, Afshin offered a prayer for those on both sides of the war in Israel. You love the world, the whole world, all the people of the world so much that you sacrificed Jesus Christ 
so that we will not perish but have eternal life. I pray today that the revelation of Jesus Christ would go forth amongst the Muslims and the sons of Ishmael. I pray that you would remember that covenant with Ishmael, that you would go forth because Ishmael is thirsty for the revelation of love, for the revelation of Jesus Christ, for the revelation of salvation. Father, I pray that there would be a hand of protection that would protect Isaac on every front, not only in Israel, but all around the world. Give us visions, dreams, wisdom to speak peace in this war. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. May we all echo that prayer, and may we echo the prayer of Abraham over Ishmael. May Ishmael ever stand before you. Okay, all right. <clears throat> and I do believe that is something that we need to focus on, okay? You hear even on this show, you know, we talk about the ideology of Islam. But in practice, what do we do? We go out and we share, we track Muslims, we talk with Muslims. Uh, we've had Muslims on this show. You guys have seen some of them, had conversations with them off air. I'm not bringing them on here to proselytize them, evangelize them necessarily specifically, and that's my target in having them on the show. So a lot of times we have them on because they have expertise in a, a certain area. And during that, I, I'm like, Lord, help me to plant seeds. Help me to put your word in. Your word has power. I don't have power. I can't convince somebody into the kingdom of God. Neither could Paul. But your word has power, and I know it not because I read it in the Scripture. I know it from experience. Oh my goodness, when this guy's talking about this change of mind where you sense the holy presence of God and you're so sinful and you want to run away from it, that is my testimony. I tried to run out of the house I was in, thinking I could get away from it, and I couldn't. It's the same Jesus that saved me. It saved this guy who was a, who was a Hezbollah men, member. Same guy. Same Jesus. See, we're not that different. We're really not. We're made in the image of God. We're made to bear the truth. But we've marred that with our sin. Nevertheless, though we try to suppress that truth... It always comes out the top, doesn't it? Mm. Paul said so too. Romans chapter 1. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein, what, the law? No, the gospel, the good news, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. What does he mean by there? We don't just have a one-time faith, guys. If you've got a one-time faith and, and nothing's going on, you're not pressing and advancing forward, do you have a saving faith? Or do you got a dead faith? See, our faith goes from faith to faith to faith to faith. The just shall live by faith, right? And that's what he writes here. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. They live by faith. Not they have an encounter, one-time experience. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. 
For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, that's you and me, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You see, you can recognize there's a God. You can recognize there's a creator. You can recognize there's natural law that's built into the creation. That's not enough to save you. It is enough to damn you, though. It leaves you without an excuse of why you're not honoring God. Do you follow me? Verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not. They didn't give any weight to God. They said, no, we want to cast him out of our our thinking. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools. Boy, we got a lot of that going on today. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and forfeited beasts and creeping things. Hmm. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Hmm. And he goes on and he lays out turning men and women over to same-sex sins. Men with men, women with women. Then he goes on and he has a list down here of fornicators, unrighteous, wickedness, covetous, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, all those things just listed, these people not only do the same, they have pleasure in those who do them. They're not willing to tell them to repent. They're not willing. In fact, they light up white houses with all kinds of colors to celebrate their degeneracy and their wickedness. They seek to have guys in little black robes say it's okay to go in here and commit murder inside and outside the womb. They say it's okay to not to to say that you want constitutional and biblical money, but then traded in for unjust weights and measurements, which is an abomination for the Lord, too. They say they want good citizens, but they want children to be disobedient to their parents. They say they're humble, but they boast their pride. They say they are doing things for your good, but they're inventors of evil things. They call themselves pure and righteous, but they're fornicators, adulterers, and sodomites. They draw close to the Lord with their mouth, but their heart is far from Him. This is the state of men. They're at it in various degrees. And Christian, this is why you have a superior gospel. You have a superior gospel to anything out there. Why? Because it's the truth. It's superior to the Muslim gospel, which is no gospel. I mean, Paul says so, under inspiration of the Spirit of God. You have a superior gospel to Judaism and Zionism and all the other isms. You've got a superior gospel to Hinduism. You've got a superior gospel to Shintoism. You've got a superior gospel to Buddhism. 
You've got a superior gospel to Zoroastrianism, Satanism, witchcraft, whatever it is. You have a superior gospel. Why? Because it comes from the one true living God. But people have to want it. And the Bible tells us that men love death more than they love life. They love the darkness more than they love light. They don't want to come to the light lest their deeds be exposed for what they are. This is why God has to intervene. Because men don't want to see it. And they don't want to hear how wicked they are and how much of a need of a Savior they are. They want to think they can do it in and of themselves. Sadly, they are wrong. What does Jesus tell us? Can't keep going on the way you're going on and honor the Lord. Luke 9, 23, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Is that what you're doing? Just asking. We're friends. We're friends. Is that what you're doing? Denying yourself, taking up your cross daily, and following him. Now, he spoke that to the people, but those are, those are words written for us. We can draw application for that. What are we doing? Here's another one, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Just something that you can hold the truth up to yourself, and you examine yourself. And having food and raiment, this is verse 8, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that which be, they, uh, they that which be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which draw men, or drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art called, are also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee a charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Are you fully in those kinds of things? Something to examine. John chapter 8. Again, most of you know this story. Here's what he says. Woman's caught in adultery. The guy's not brought with her, but she is. Oh, Moses says she should be stoned. John chapter 8, verses, verse 8. And again, he stooped down and wrote in the ground, this is Jesus. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, not by Jesus' words. Remember, he's, he's just stooped down and wrote on the ground. Actually, it was his words. Sorry, I didn't get the context up above that. He had already said, you know, what he had said. About if they were without sin, let them cast the first stone. So he says, they went, uh, they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in their midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. 
go and sin no more. Translation, woman, stop sinning. Stop sinning. You're forgiven. Stop sinning. Then spake Jesus unto the, again unto them, saying, I'm the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Mm. And the Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came, and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I come, and whither I go. And if you, if you recall, Jesus goes on to talk about, He's not just bearing witness of Himself. The Father's born witness of Him. The Spirit's born witness of Him. We have John the Baptist who's born witness of Him. That was His job, was to bear witness of the truth, right? The light that was coming. That's what John said. He said He wasn't that light. He came to bear witness of it, which is what the prophet Isaiah said John would do. I, I played the interview today because I think in the midst of everything, this guy's got a finger on something here, and that is that they want us to hate one another. They want us to hate one another. There was a little thing going on in our Telegram group uh, earlier in the week, and uh, there was a little back and forth on the flat earth and the globe thing and stuff. And I, I'm fine with people debating that issue. I think that's good to put that light out and to have it there and so people can see and do those things. And um, But it shouldn't cause us to come to blows with one another. People are so on edge that they can't have a small disagreement over something that neither one of them can get outside the atmosphere and see or check or any of that other. They can only look at in the creation, but they want to they wanna just cut one another down, they want to cut each other off, all this kind of stuff. I don't see any need for any of that. Let's have debate. Let's have vigorous debate. Let's have encounters where we challenge and sharpen one another and we, we, we push at each other to find the truth, to know the truth of things that are not expressed specifically in the Word of God, obviously. But let's press towards that. Let's have those discussions. I think they're good and they're healthy. And so what if we're wrong? Let's correct ourselves. If, if our understandings open up, let's correct ourselves. I think that's a good thing. I think that's why one of the reasons free speech is a good thing. Sometimes people challenge you with things that you haven't heard before, you haven't thought about. You bring those in and you, and you either discern them as, yep, that's true and I can use that or no, I can't. But if you're wanting to know how to deal with the Muslim issue, this is it. This is how you deal with them. This is how you deal with Roman Catholics. This is how you deal with self-professed evangelicals who still aren't born again. This is how you deal with the professed atheists and agnostics, which really don't exist, but you understand what I'm saying. You deal with them with the gospel. You deal with them by bringing the king before them whose law they have broken, and calling them to repent of violating that law and to live for the king. Not as some little lowly servant, but as his son or as his daughter. That's what God does for us. He adopts us into his family. But he does it on his terms, not ours. And as you was listening to this young man God didn't save him based on his understanding of the Quran. Didn't save him based on Muhammad. Didn't save him based on Allah or the Hadiths. 
He saved him based on the very thing that God the Father spoke from heaven, and he said, this is my son. Listen to him. I'm well pleased in him. That's who he was saved by. Given his whole life to following Allah. Thought that's the path and the way he should be on. Recall the story of a missionary, and I'll close with this. I can't even remember the guy's name, but I heard it years ago. I went and read the story, and then I didn't get the book because I didn't have the money at the time. So it didn't really stick in my mind as far as the guy's name and everything. But he had lived his life, and he said, you know, basically, I'm going to go out and blaze the glory. I'm going to go. I forget what the land was. I wanted to say it was Saudi Arabia, but I could be wrong about that. Got on a boat, went over, got off the boat didn't even get into the town, started preaching to the Muslims who were there in the area that that they were at. And they immediately put him to death. Now, I don't know what God was doing in the midst of that. Any of you guys have ever heard of uh, Jim Elliott and his crew um, going down into South America? And, uh, you know, they, in my opinion, they probably jumped the gun a little bit in timing. Nevertheless, in God's providence, that's the way it was. It was part of his decree that they go at the time they went. And the natives there ended up killing all of them, all the missionaries. And it was the families of those missionaries and their kids who ended up ministering the gospel to those natives and those natives coming to Christ. Yeah, you talk about God taking ashes and making them beautiful. Oh, he does it. He does it. He's done it for me. Friend, he can do it for you. But again, you got to come to him on his own terms, and that means you got to be willing to get rid of anything and everything to follow him, including your own desires. You've got to surrender it all to him denying yourself, taking up that instrument of death daily, and following after him. And I I assure you, Jesus said himself, the way of the sinner is hard, right? Scripture, Old Testament tells us the way of the sinner is hard. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. It's light. My burden's easy. The way of the sinner's hard. Which one are you? Are you on the hard road or are you on the road in the yoke with Jesus on the narrow path. Bradley will be with you at three, and we'll see you back here, Lord willing, in the morning. We're going to talk supplements. My friend Sonia Paris is supposed to join us. At least we hope she's going to do that. And we're going to see how Big Pharma has kind of jumped in, and we're going to point you in the direction of some good, good solid ones that don't have fillers um, or fraudulent, and they're all American-made. So you don't want to miss that. If you're taking supplements, you, you really want to hear this. And you probably, if you're listening to this show, you're already advised as to what not to get. So we're going to talk to you about what not to get, what to get, and everything behind that, the fraud that's going on, even in the supplemental in- industry. So, uh, Lord willing, we'll see you back here at 6 a.m. Adios.